It is Tuesday, November 16th. This is Jaguars Happy Hour. And now, a guy who almost left us to run away with the fair, J.P. <laughs> Shedrick. I missed it this year. He did like a funnel cake or something. Welcome in. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. Yeah, I needed one. My name's J.P. Shadrick. We've got a busy couple hours ahead here on Jaguars Radio. In fact, Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman, of course, every Tuesday joining us. He was drafted in 1989. That's a little while ago. We'll recap week 10. The Colts over the Jaguars 23-17. to We'll look ahead to week 11. That's next on the schedule. The San Francisco 49ers come to town to face the Jaguars. The fourth home meeting for the Jags against the Niners, only the third here in Jacksonville. Remember, they played in London, the first London game at uh, Wembley Stadium some years back. And the Urban Meyer Show starts at 5 o'clock with, you guessed it, head coach Urban Meyer on the Jaguars radio network as always. We're recapping, of course, this past Sunday's Jaguars loss. The Jags defense had another good day at the office after an early surge by the Colts. They gave up 93 rushing yards to Jonathan Taylor in the first quarter, but then shut it down for the most part after that. They allowed only two field goals in the final 10 Colts possessions of the day, and that's good work to keep the Jaguars at least in the game, but unfortunately the offense couldn't do much with it. They struggled to take advantage of that good field position, and especially in the first half. Six of the first seven drives were three and outs for the offense, including three straight drives that started right around their own 40-yard line coming off three and outs forced by the Jaguars' defense. They couldn't take advantage of any of those. And then the special teams. A punt blocked early. It was returned for a touchdown, made it a 10-0 game. Then an offensive touchdown after that for Indy made it 17-zip and felt like things were going the wrong way. The Jags missed an extra point. Matthew Wright missed a 51-yard field goal as well. Urban Meyer on Monday discussing coming off a loss, taking a look at what happened and where they could have found points this past Sunday. I want everything to feel different, taste different, act different when you win. When you lose, you just show the, you know, that's what videotape's for. And that's where you, you reward, you know, I always start each meeting, reward the guys that played really well. And then you got to show, I think what, when I'm, when I'm, it, it, it became that way in college as well. And I don't want to keep relating college or pro, but that's where I spent the majority of my time that you know, these are grown men, these are people, you have conversations with them, explain the plan to win, explain the situations where we lost by six points and where those six points could have been made up. And it was all over the field. We could have made those six points up. Jaguars analyst Jeff Lagerman joins us now here on Jaguars Happy Hour. And, uh, well, Urban's right. I mean, there were a few different places where they could, they could have found some of those points. First off, good afternoon to you, Lagerman. Good afternoon. I, you know, I didn't mean to point you out, you know, drafted in 1989. You're trying know, to make me uh, that, feel old? I don't know. It just came up in my head for some reason. All but right, I, I hear you trying to make me feel old. I, I, I'll take it as that. It's okay. Uh, your experience. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I'll say that. Yeah, yeah, that's another way of saying you're old. Yeah, it's a good thing, that, though. JP. But yeah, no, you've seen but... games like this, with your experience. You've seen games like this before, where you know one side of the ball is playing well, the other side just can't get it together, and then all of a sudden there's a special team score for the other team, and I can, it's tough I can, to win like that. I can tell you that I've seen a lot of games in the National Football League in my years to where you have the start like that happened in that game and where the Jaguars give up two quick scores and then you give up a special team score, and then that's it. 
I mean, the game's over at that point, and it never becomes close again. So I give the Jaguars, first of all, give give the team credit because they fought back. The defense battled back from an absolutely abysmal start to where they had just a couple breakdowns, but they never let it shake them, and they realized that, hey, look, we were just out of our gap a couple times, and Jonathan Taylor hits off some big runs, and that's what he's going to do because that's how good he is. If you make a mistake, he will make you pay. And that's what happened. But I give them credit because they battled back. Fortunately, the Colts didn't like completely stick with the running game. Because I was, I mean, if I'm Frank Reich in that position, and I've got Jonathan Taylor with 10 carries for 93 yards and a touchdown after two possessions. Yeah. Carson Wentz might be lucky to touch the ball. Okay, it might be just like what Jimmy Garoppolo did last night against the Rams. Yeah, right. I mean, seriously. Absolutely. That and so he went through the ball nineteen times in the whole game or something. I don't. What it is? What is it about former quarterback head coaches that they just got to feel the need to throw the football? Well, I don't get it. Yeah, but um, you're but right. give the Jaguars defense credit. You know, when after those first two drives of the game in which the Colts, you know, they go down and score, and then you get a punt blocked, and then they go down and score again, okay? Was that right? Yeah, yeah. punt yeah, blocked. That's, right. you know, that's the exact way it wasn't. So the next three Colts possessions were three and outs. Off the field. For the Jaguars' defense. Perfect. Uh, great job. I think they had one, two, three, four, five total in a game, three and out. Is right. that right? That's, uh, that's right. And now in that sequence, there was a Devon Hamilton sack on the first three and out. Yes. There was also a big run on the second of those three and out drives. It was called back on a holding. Thank call. goodness, and it was a phantom call. That's right. On Reed. <laughs> we'll take the three and out. I'll say that. <laughs> we were in me and Tony Baselli are in the broadcast booth, and we're looking at the replay, and we're going, um, <laughs> "That was called." Okay. Okay. I, I hated it for Chris Reed. He's a former Jaguar, and he was a nice guy. And, but uh, yeah, he got called for one that probably shouldn't have been called. Either it, way, either way, it happened. Gets the credit for those three and outs, though they they stood up big. Yeah, the, the Jaguars' offense is out of sorts. Yeah. and you go back and you look at where the, the the out of sorts begin. I don't know if they've ever really hit their stride, but look in London, they played well. Trevor was looking good, mm-hmm. and even in the game before that, I thought his pocket presence was just tremendous. And then the last three games, not so good. Well, what's happened in the last three games? Well, you haven't had your best running back up to full strength. True. Okay, he got hurt in the Seattle game with the heel. Uh, Did not play in the Buffalo game. And then he tests himself out, and he plays in this past game. But you can tell that he doesn't quite have that, that extra something that James typically has. You know what I mean? And you can see it like when he gets into the open field. And, and James is not an elite speed guy. He's not like an ETN. Once he gets in open field, he's going to be gone. That's kind of his weakness, if he ever does have a weakness, is that he doesn't have great speed. But he's still got the ability to accelerate through a hole. And I didn't see that on Sunday. But I'll tell you this, JP. Yes. He should have yeah. started the game. Okay. Should have started yeah, the game. Yeah, he didn't start. Yeah, Carlos Hyde took the opening snaps of the game. And, and I, I I didn't I didn't like that, and and here's why. He's your best player on offense. Would you argue with that? Not at all. No. Okay. Is he the is he the without question starter running back? Uh, yes. Best I would player. Say so. Best running back. Five and a half yards of carry. Sure. Best player on offense. Sure. 
if I've got a player who is willing to suck it up and play hurt because that's what's happening if he's out there testing his foot heel before the game to find out if he can play, even if I have him on a pitch count, mm-hmm. he's going to take my first snap. And he should take the first snap. He's earned that right. And I think that that's something that I think if Urban could look back on in hindsight, he might change that. You know, because I think as a coach, sometimes you're not tuned in because, you know, they, look, players in the NFL, sometimes they have incentives in their contract for the number of starts that they have. Some of them just want the respect of being de- declared a starter, especially when you're, you're saying, hey, I'm, I'm willing to play hurt for you then you have to be able to make sure that you give that respect back in turn, and that's by starting the player. And so I was a little surprised at that, and that, you know, hopefully James is not mad. Yeah. But I've seen players in that situation that they that, that will forever stick with them. And it was only, you know, the first drive, Hyde, you know, and then they had the punt blocked in return for a touchdown. They come back out on offense, and James Robinson's standing behind the quarterback. Right. right beside him. So it gets a, a carry and a pass to him. On, Put him out there for the first yeah. play. You, you don't even think about doing anything else. If he's playing, playing for you, he should be out there for the first play. Then there were special teams issues in the game. Punt blocked and then a missed extra point. A 51-yard field goal. That's, that's a long one. It was close off well, you, to the right. You had, no you had two big special teams errors early in the ball game. Yeah. You had the blocked punt. And then they score, and then you had a, I mean, an okay kick return. You get a penalty on that, so you have That's essentially true. back-to-back yeah. penalties. Yeah, uh, we're not back. We're just back-to-back bad plays, and the punt protection is very simplistic, and it's not hard. I mean, seriously, if you can count uh, four or five, you 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 can do. You punt only protection. need one hand for that. One hand. The the punt that got blocked, it was. Three guys, if, if you're looking at if you're Logan Cook and you're looking at it, okay. you've got left of center, there's three Colt defenders. Okay. Okay, and then you have, for the punt team, you have a guard, mm-hmm. a tackle, mm-hmm. and then a wing. That's three guys. So you have three guys. Correct. To block their three guys. Yes. Okay, and if you look at it, the wing blocks number one, mm-hmm. and you count the defenders from outside in. Okay. Okay, so the wing blocks one, mm-hmm. tackle blocks two, two, guard blocks three. Thank you. You're learning. Thank you. Okay, and when the ball is snapped, okay, when the ball is snapped, you set back. You're retreating a little bit. And the reason you do that is because let's say two and three decide to cross. Okay? It's like a stunt. Okay, right. let's say three runs into uh, the guard. Okay. Okay. Yeah. If uh, I'll simplify, if two and three cross, now the guard and the tackle have to switch responsibilities. You don't chase the the number two guy all the way inside of the guard. Mm-hmm. If you're the tackle, mm-hmm. you block the guy that becomes number two. The problem happened. Chappelle Russell, who is the tackle, he goes to block one. So now you have two and three left to be blocked by the guard. The guard, that's it. He's got to pick one. Which is Shaq Quarterman. Yeah. So Shaq blocks who he's supposed to block. He blocks three. Okay. And two gets a free run. Now Didn't even touch him. Andrew Wingard sees it late, but he's got to block the right side because there are five over there. Okay. Well, yeah. Okay. 
It's important. There's five over there. So you have, counting the center that goes to the right, that's four. Personal protector was wingered. He becomes five. So he's got to go to the right side initially. One of them blocks or actually steps out and leaves, doesn't come. So now he makes sure that everything's clean at the center before he cheats and looks to the left side. By that time, two's already passed. Mm. You know, so a lot of people thought, mm. well, it was wingered. They no. gave up. No, that's no. not that's not Winger's responsibility. The, the fact that Winger got a piece of him was good. I mean, because most PPs wouldn't even have gotten a piece of him. So the the mistake was is that Chappelle should have been on what became number two, and he was blocking number one. Is that? I don't remember that being an issue yet this year. I don't feel like many have been close to being blocked this well, year. Well, look. Punt Just protection, off the top of my head. Punt protection, when it's like that, is not hard, okay? Yeah. It can be difficult if you have four or five guys lined up and then you have, let's say, four on the line of scrimmage and then two behind. Who's coming, all, who's not. And then all of a sudden right. they mix and match and stunt and, and do all this kind of stuff because then you can kind of lose count. But when you have just two guys crossing, that's, that's not very hard. That's, a, that's like punt protection – Basics. I mean, that's mm. one of the easier stunts that there is to pick up. That's not hard at all. And uh, and the Jaguars were fortunate. There was one other punt that had some leakage that uh, that could have been an issue later in the game. So you had two. So here's what's going to happen. The 49ers, they're coming. Make oh, no mistake. Yeah, test 40, it out. 49ers are coming to block punts this week. So you better get it cleaned up because they are coming, and they're going to come nearly every time. I guarantee you that. I mean, he was so clean, he nearly took the ball off Logan's foot. Could have tackled him. He really could have. Yeah. If, 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 if he had accelerated through the <laughs> hole right. and realized that he wasn't going to get blocked, because I think it was almost in shock. Yeah. But if he had accelerated through on the, from, from the snap of the ball, he literally could have tackled Logan Cook before he even started to take the second step in the punt. And so that's one. My point is, is that this week you better be ready. Here we go. Because what they call it, the people sometimes call it the copycat league, which is smart football. Because if you if you're getting ready to play a team that had an issue with a particular play, you better make damn sure you're going to try to make sure that they fixed it. Because if they do, if they hadn't fixed it, you want to make sure that you, you are must, there to take advantage yeah, of it. Yeah, get that opportunity because that could come around. PRI Productions, the official event production company, the Jags, has everything you need to bring your next idea to life. Visit PRIproductions.com. We're back with offensive talk. Logs, we're going to get some answers out of you. I got answers for you, JP. I got answers. We got plenty of questions. Let's see if you have all the answers. I got, I got answers about wide receivers. Oh, we'll talk about that and, and plenty more ahead. It's Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Like I said, I'm, I'm hard on myself, and I expect to to play really well every every game and put us in a position to win and just – a lot, of, a lot of reasons offensively we just didn't play great today. I thought we picked it up a little bit at the end of the third, um, or mostly in the fourth quarter. Um, but we just got to play better, and that starts with me. And so I'm part of myself and got to get better. But, I mean, yeah, there's going to be things you got to go through and um, stay positive. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm doing right now. And, you know, the locker room is in, you know, good spirits. Obviously, we're, we're pissed off. We, you know, had a chance to win that game, should have won that game, and, and didn't. So... Um, but, you know, locker room's good, and you know, I'm, I'm good. Just got to 
you know, let it let it simmer for a day and then move on. And we got to go play San Francisco. So let it simmer for a day. That's the quarterback Trevor Lawrence, who was 16 of 35, passing for 162 yards. He was sacked three times, lost the fumble at the end of the game, ran the ball five times for 33 yards, and welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. J.P. Shadrick with Jeff Lagerman, Joe Fortunato, Brent Reber along with us today also, and the Jaguars face the 49ers. We'll get to that team coming up in just a little bit, but uh, Trevor Lawrence and the uh, Jaguars offense, they had seven three-and-outs in the first half. No, six three-and-outs in the first half, in the first seven drives. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, they had the Agnew touchdown run on a four-play drive. They had a six-play drive for a field goal with the final gun. 56-yard field goal, by the way. So they couldn't move the ball outside of those two scoring drives at all. Well, at it, was, all. it wasn't very good. And, and I think the thing that, uh, that concerned me is that they, it, it almost looked like Trevor's play regressed. Uh, I think that was his worst game as a pro yet. And, uh, and look – it's never going to be smooth and perfect as a rookie as far as, okay, every week you see him get better. I mean, but it, it's it's like stock market. It's up, down sometimes, but you just want the progression to still continue up, and the last three games make you kind of go, well, has he progressed? And I think you'd have a, a hard time pointing to the to the numbers to say that he has progressed. Early in that game, the play that I didn't like was it was play action. He rolls out. His uh, receiver that was supposed to be in the in the flat gets picked off by a defensive end, and so now he's lost his short immediate option, and he throws it up. And when he threw it up, it was the the defensive back, and I think it was uh, Kenny Moore dropped mm, it. Yeah, I mean it was yeah right there in the hands to be caught by by Kenny Moore, and he yeah. drops it. That's that's like one of those things where you go all the way back to the first couple of weeks of the season and you just got to say, well, you can't do that. And then I thought at times his pocket presence wasn't good and that the eyes dropped a couple times, which that's something that we really haven't seen with him yet. And part of that is, is that the offensive line needs to be better earlier in the game. But also you go to the sack at the very end of the game, okay? Got a chance to win the game. You're in plus territory. I mean, you're you're in there side yeah. of the field, and and I'm talking a great chance to win the Two game. Timeouts left. Yeah, minute. you got plenty of time. Yeah, right. So on the play that he gets uh, the sack, cause fumble on him. He drops back. The Colts are bringing pressure. You've got it picked up. Okay, just needs to climb the pocket, step forward a little bit, shuffle his feet forward, keep it balanced and make the throw, and I think it's Marvin Jones coming across right in front of him. And his eyes drop, and he kind of goes to run. Okay, if you're going to do that, now you have to take the next step, which is ball security. Tuck it away. And he doesn't do a good job with that. So two mistakes there. Mm. Really, three. One, he should have just stepped up into the pocket, climbed the pocket, realizing that he had the protection. He doesn't do that. Should have made a throw. Doesn't do that. Okay, now you decide to run it. Okay, when you do, tuck the ball away and protect it. Because if you take a sack there, line up and play okay, another play. Yeah, or call a timeout, whatever it takes. Yeah, like, yeah. I mean, you're, you're, you're okay. You time. And so uh, that wasn't a great sequence for him. But the first play of that drive, 
He gets sacked because Norwell got beat by Buckner. Mm. So, I mean, you sit there and you go, well, why, why do the eyes drop? Well, first well, play of the drive. Forrest Buckner's coming he got, on your he got whacked. backside. Yeah, right. he got whacked. Yeah. You know, so, and there were times where he didn't have a whole lot of receiver separation. So, it just it was not a good performance. And and that's, that's, all, that's the hard thing of, of, of being a quarterback in the National Football League. JP, it is by far, it is the hardest position to play in all of professional sports. And it's not even close. So it takes time, and uh, unfortunately it takes some growing pains yeah. and some hard lessons. You know, it, it brings me to, to last night. I, I fell asleep at halftime of the Monday night game, but me watched too. Peyton and Eli again, right, on, on the ESPN2 feed. Okay, how was that? And it was great. So it, to the point here, uh, Phil Mickelson was on with them, and Phil was doing a great job asking. Okay, well, real quick. Does Phil have a golf tournament this week? No. Okay, good. If he, he did, don't pick him. And he said, yeah, I took off this week for a reason because the <laughs> curse is real. Anyway, he was asking about, hey, what happens, Peyton, when you're at the line? Like, what is your progression from when you break the huddle to the snap as a quarterback? And Peyton went through it. You start from the line and go back. It's how many guys are down up front. What's going on with the linebackers? Is there a guy off to the side? What's the secondary doing? Is, uh, one high, two high safeties? What's the deal here? And that's all within like three seconds. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to think about even pre-snap, and then everything happens once the ball snapped. You, That's all happening. Mm-hmm. And for a rookie and all that going on, I know it's Trevor Lawrence. He's been at it for a little while. That's a lot to digest as yeah, a quarterback. It's, it's, it's a lot, and uh, and that's why you – Rarely, if ever, see a rookie that has great success. The ones that do have great success play the game in a very loose fashion. When I say that, that I mean you see the running quarterbacks okay. have yeah. success in their rookie year because they're not being forced to drop back and play quarterback. They're they're just doing playground. They're doing college football quarterback yeah, things. Right. Okay. And uh, like you know, when RG three was with Washington Redskins, they did a lot of that. Some of that. You know, the, the, the read option stuff becomes part of the game. And, you know, you hear a lot of people say, well, how come they don't do more RPO stuff with Trevor? And here's the thing. They do do RPO stuff with Trevor. But at the end of the day, do you want to expose your quarterback to more hits? That's right. No. No, not at all. I don't want, to, I don't want a, a young quarterback out there running and risking the development to where he can't play the rest of the season because I want to – have him gain eight yards for one game. I mean, if you look at it from a big picture standpoint, that's very short-sighted. You have to look at it from the big picture perspective and uh, deal with some of the things that he's going to have with growing pains. But in the long run, it's more beneficial. But to go back to this again, I'm going to reiterate this. Mm -hmm. The last three games – have not been on the trajectory that you want. It needs to get better. And, again, that coincides without James Robinson being at his best. It would help if, um, you know, the receivers, uh, the, the play out there improved a little bit down the field, right? I mean, There was one guy, JP, yeah, the, the, look, the receivers got to get better separation. I'm going to tell you that, uh, that there was one wide receiver that I thought deserved a game ball. Who would that be? Laquan Treadwell. Treadwell. Yes, sir. Really? Yep. I thought he played really well. Well, I mean, you say that. He didn't have, you know, what do he have? One catch? Yeah. Tell me for about 18 yards. Tell me about that catch. You remember that catch? 
Third and kind of off balance. Third and twelve, him. way behind him, high. Yeah, hell of a catch. Great catch. That's one play though, Logs. First catch is a Jaguar. Why else should he get a game ball? The uh, and we've got we've got this audio, okay? Because the great Vince Lombardi had a famous play. Then this goes back football from years ago. Let's, Let's just play this and then we'll we'll play. We'll, I'll explain. Okay. okay? As the linebacker taken in, he will come around it and seal inside. What we're trying to get is a seal here and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley. All right, that's one Vince of the, Lombardi, of course. One of the greatest NFL films segment that there has ever been. Yeah, that's the, the Green Bay sweep. And if anybody ever wants to check it out, just all you got to do is go to YouTube and type Lombardi seal, S-E-A-L, not like. So, because what he's saying is, we're <laughs> not, wait a minute, no. not S E A L. Wait a minute, not like, what? <laughs> like, <laughs> not like the the animal that you see. S E A L, same uh, way, <laughs> but not like the animal seal with the seal, like a Ziploc bag seal. You're trying to get a seal here and a seal here. Yes, you. It's are. a great, it's a great video. And when I saw the 66 yard touchdown run by Jamal Agnew, it, it came right to my mind that the, the Vince Lombardi little piece, and sure enough, it's very similar. Uh, that play, you have shotgun with Jamal Agnew lined up offset. And by the way, we're going to be drawing this for Jags oh, Wired tomorrow night. How convenient. Okay. about that? And uh, you got to get a, a seal, and the seal happens from a couple different guys, okay? Man hurts blocks down. That, there's an inside seal. And then you have Laquan Treadwell mm. coming down and blocking – Darius Leonard. Wow, against uh, one of the great tackling linebackers in football. All pro Yeah, Darius Leonard. Yeah. Okay, and he doesn't just block him. He owns him. I'm telling you, go back and watch that play. Oh, I'm going to watch Jags. And yeah. watch yeah. Laquan Treadwell hmm. on him because he does a great job. So then you got to have the seal to the outside. Yeah, you got to seal here and then a seal okay. there. So yeah. we're talking okay. about the there one. So, so we talked about the seal here because the seal here is Manhurts, yes. Laquan Treadwell, uh-huh. and then Shatley, who has one of the hardest jobs on the play. He's got to hike the shotgun snap. Then he has to pull around Manhurts because he has to block the backside linebacker. Oh, wow, yeah. Not an easy block. No. Not an easy job to snap and then pull and then block. And then the seal to the outside is Cam Robinson kicking out the defensive back, and then the safety will be unblocked. So you're hoping that the running back can beat him one-on-one. Right. The Colts actually had a a nickel blitz coming from the backside, rotate the safeties, and the safety goes back to the deep middle. So by the time he realizes what's coming, he goes to chase Jamal Agnew down, and then the speed of Agnew Mm -hmm. negates the angle, and it's six. But that's the Lombardi play. That's the Packers sweep. And uh, 21.6 miles per hour on that run by Agnew, the nice. fourth fastest in the league this year, fourth fastest. Yeah, you could tell. I mean, when, when, he, when the safety was trying to catch up, See ya. it wasn't happening. No chance. I was in a booth, literally. As soon as he hands got to the, the outside, I had my hands in the air. You know, and and then and the safety looked like he had an angle. I said, "There's no way." I had my hands in the air. Touchdown! Knew you it. Called it. You called it. Gone. Way to go. Seal here and a seal we here and run in the alley. Some more of those. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks. That wrong seal, Joe. 
but I get where you're going. <laughs> We're back in a moment. We'll uh, look ahead to the San Francisco 49ers. They're coming to town in week number 11. And check out the official Jaguars Podcast Network lives. It's free on Apple iTunes or they Spotify. Got, yes, They got a lot of seals in San Francisco, by the way. <laughs> they do. They do. <laughs> Absolutely they do. I, I've seen them. They're everywhere. I know it's true. That's right. Uh, this is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. Jaguars Happy Hour is brought to you by TIAA Bank. Turn potential into progress. And by Publix, where shopping is a pleasure. For whatever reason, one of those stretches where we're, we're a little out of sync and we got to get it fixed, um, it's just details all, all around every position group. It's, it's cleaning up the details, being on the same page, um, and then just as simple as making the plays. I mean, there were so many opportunities today. I missed a few throws, had some drops, like all over the field. You know, we got we to gotta make those plays, and that's on all of us. And, um, yeah, just that's what's frustrating is when you lose a game like that on the final drive, you fumble and game's over when you had a chance to win. But then you look back and you had so many opportunities to execute on and put yourself in the situation to get points or to score or whatever, and we didn't. And um, the defense played great. I mean, that's two weeks in a row. I love the way our defense is playing. They, you know, if they keep doing that, we're going to have a chance to win every game. And us as an offense, we got to take, we got to take some responsibility and get better and um, put put the right foot forward. So we'll do that. We got to just stick together, and we're going to do that. But um, definitely need to play better. The quarterback Trevor Lawrence after the game Sunday in Indianapolis, and welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. JP Shadrick, Jeff Lagerman coming up. Oh, in a little less than 30 minutes, it's the Urban Meyer Show on the Jaguars Radio Network featuring, you guessed it, head coach Urban Meyer. He'll join us. We'll recap the game, look ahead to San Francisco. We'll get an early preview of San Francisco in this segment here. Well, last night, they beat the hell out of the Rams. Mm, Good. Really good team. Uh, I mean, beat them. I'm saying the Rams, really good team. Yeah. I, I question a little bit with the Rams and that why would you risk maybe upsetting some chemistry things by bringing in an Odell Beckham. I think that's a question mark. Uh, Von Miller I don't think is a question mark because the guy is is an A-plus guy. But when you have an offense that's just running so well with the the pieces that they have, why would you risk disrupting that by bringing in a guy who, unless he's kind of the center of attention, he's never been happy? Well, the trick now is with Robert Woods out, he tore his knee up, which which happened on Friday. It was after crazy they uh, the Odell. timing of it. Like it's you know maybe it'll work out, but I mean they didn't have him and they looked lost on offense. Yeah, um, I know Troy Aikman did a radio interview earlier this morning. I got a lot of respect for Troy. I know him very well, and Troy usually doesn't say anything unless he really believes it. And he talks about how as a quarterback, when you bring in a guy like that it can upset the balance and because you have a guy that kind of commands demands Mm -hmm. either way you want to put it the ball and so it can distract a quarterback from doing what he's supposed to do which is deliver the ball to the open receiver uh, irregardless of who they are what number they're wearing and uh, and I thought uh, Troy was you know he's being fair and I mean Troy had Michael Irvin and uh, Alvin Harper and guys that uh, were really good, but Troy threw it to the open guy. Yeah. 
you know, even though Michael Irvin may not have liked it, you know, that he made sure that it was going to the open guy. So I think that's going to be interesting to watch. What happens to the Rams and Matt Stafford now that Odell Beckham has arrived? And if you track the numbers between or from prior to last night, and so you look at that and then you look at from last night going forward, it'll be interesting to see where it goes. Well, the 49ers defense, um, you know, held the Rams to their lowest point total How many and, lowest, and lowest uh, yardage total of the season, I by hear- the way. and But, you know, San Francisco held the ball offensively. They ran the ball a bunch. Time of possession was like 40 to 20. I mean, it was crazy. All right, well, you know, and I just pulled it up. Yeah. 49ers had the ball 39 minutes and three seconds. Yeah, that's pretty good. Okay, 64 plays. The Rams had 54 and only 20 minutes, 57 seconds yeah. time of possession. Yeah. And the 49ers came out and said, we're going to play smash mouth football, and you can't handle it. They're doing this toss stuff and, like, Ran just the running the ball all day. But Debo Samuel, uh, Debo Samuel into the backfield, too, yeah. at times, because he's your best player, and that's what you do with your best player. If you're not going to throw the ball a lot, Debo Samuel can run the ball just like a running back. He's good now. Yeah. He's good. And they, yeah. I think they did a really good job with the game plan. And uh, and I think it's going to be a challenge. It's strength on strength a little bit this week. 49ers are going to come out try to run the football against the Jaguars. And, and the Jaguars have been pretty good against the run. The Jag, the uh, excuse me, the 49ers offensive rankings this year, well, they're 13th in the league in total offense, 13th in rushing, 13th in passing. They are number one in the red zone, though. Once they get close – they finish with points, uh, number one in the league, in fact, in red zone offense. Uh, goal to go, they're in the top five, and they, they score middle of the pack, but they give the, the ball away a good bit. Uh, 14 giveaways this, this year on offense. Um, but if they, if they put together a performance like last night, they're going to kind of hang around in the NFC wildcard chase, that's for sure. Well, they, they should, and uh, I think something that has certainly – or I would say is taking them off track a little bit. Uh, the whole drafting of Trey Lance. Yeah, I was going to ask you, what do you think first off of Garoppolo? It, obviously, they ran the ball so much last night and do a, a good bit. Um, and then they've got Lance in the, what, third overall? I mean, that's, 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 that's a lot a, of quarterback equity there. Well, first of all, I like Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, if you look at the numbers, when they have them, they win. The problem with Jimmy Garoppolo has been he hasn't been available. And so I understand why they end up drafting a quarterback and and utilizing those type of resources to bring in who they feel is going to be a generational-type prospect because Trey Lance is super athletic. He's got a great arm. And when I say great arm, the the arm strength is there to make all the throws. He was highly successful at college. So I think there's a lot of upside there. But it's a, you know, when you draft a quarterback like that, you're basically telling your team that the guy that we have is our guy is not our guy. And, and this is different than the Packers drafting Jordan, or uh, what's his name? Love. Love, Jordan Love. Jordan yeah. Love. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's different. Okay, Jordan Love was taken like in the latter part of the first round. That's the message from that is, is that we feel like that we want to develop a guy for the future. When you draft a guy at third overall, it's saying we're drafting this guy to be the future, Future's like now. maybe this year. The future is now kind of deal. That's it. See, it's different. Yeah, and now remember the Patriots drafted Garoppolo second round. Brady's still there. This is they were developing this guy. It didn't obviously work out 
for him there. They traded him off, and uh, he got his money in San Francisco. I think he's a good player. I, I, I go back, what was it, a couple years ago? Um, two years ago, was it, that uh, the Jet, we, we went to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not really San Francisco. It's Santa Clara. Right. Okay, and the Jaguars were playing pretty well, and Jimmy Garoppolo in the play action did a number on the Jaguars' defense that day. Really? I mean, an absolute number. Hmm. And it was like, oh, my gosh. (laughs) And that was either 17 or 18. It would have been 17. Yeah, it was 17. It was 17. It was 44-33 at San Francisco on Christmas Eve. Okay. That was the 2017 Jaguars defense now. Yes, it was. Which was now, the Jags, really good. Jags had clinched by then, remember, that day. Yeah, but they didn't play it like that. It's not like the Jaguars okay. played that game. And now they may have clinched it that day, but they came out to play now. I think they, yeah, they, they clinched They didn't it know it I think they, because okay. it was a late game, okay? okay that's right. So it kind of happened in progress of that game. But here's the reality. They played that game to win it. And Jimmy Garoppolo and, and the play action, uh, the Jaguars' defense didn't have an answer. That's how challenging that they can be. And when Kyle Shanahan finds his groove as a play caller, which obviously he loves as, or, you know, as any coach would love to be able to have a great running game and to be able to call play action and such, but that's, that's right down Kyle Shanahan's alley. Play action off of a really strong running game. And last night he didn't have to call a whole lot of play action. He just kept running the ball. I'm going down the the rabbit hole now. This the box score of that game in what 2017. Good. Oof, bringing back some awful memories. Uh, all right, so defense. What kind of pass rusher is Nick Bosa? What do you like about him? One of the best. Uh, what do I like about him? He does everything. Uh, he's not a one trick pony. He's got power. He's got speed. He's a technician. He has counter moves. He is athletic. He plays the run hard. There's nothing not to like, like about Nick Bosa. He's better than his brother. Better? Much better. Nick Bosa. How? Like, just what does is, what is the other Bosa not do well? Joey. Uh, doesn't play every snap like Nick. Okay. Nick Bosa. Now, this is – I haven't watched a ton of him this year, and he's coming back from an injury. But I can tell you before the injury – Nick Bosa would take over a game at any minute. Uh, he's that kind of talent. And uh, I like him. I love him. I love guys that play the run. For example, Ngakwe. Yeah. Doesn't play the run well. Really sometimes acts as if he doesn't even care about stopping the run at times. But when he wants or, to. Or slide a frame enough, at least in the days he was here, that he'd get pushed around a lot. If they got their hands on him, he's blocked. <laughs> right? He would, I'll say this again. He wasn't a willing <laughs> run, he wasn't a willing run defensive player at times. Okay. That wasn't what, you know, it's like Deion Sanders didn't want to come up and make a big tackle. Sure. Okay. And Gawkway didn't want to. Come up and you know stick his nose in there. But here's the crazy thing: when he wanted to, he was really good at it. Yeah, at times. Mm-hmm. But he's not a big guy. But anyway, that's what I love about Nick Bosa. The guy plays run. He plays pass. He plays left side. He plays right side. You can take him. You can kick him down as an inside pass rusher. Mm. He's athletic enough that you can drop him into coverage. 
I mean, he can do anything that you ask. I mean, if you had if you had a Nick Bosa and a Josh Allen on the same team, mm. look out. I mean, look out. You would have something. You would have definitely a, an offensive coordinator's nightmare. If you're looking for the MVP of the truck game, then look no further than Ford F-150. Loaded with impressive capability and designed to dominate work, play, and everything in between, this truck makes tough look easy. No wonder it's the official truck of the NFL and proud partner of your Jacksonville Jaguars. We'll take a look at the injury report. We'll look around the AFC South. All that when we return to Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. I just said on the radio that, you know, culturally, you know, I'm a big believer in culture. I'm a big believer in leadership. I always have been alignment, everybody working together. And enough with the almost, almost, almost. Uh, when we figure that out, that's when you win. And uh, I like what was said. I, I didn't say much after the game. Some players did. And we'll see how we show up next week against San Francisco in front of our home crowd. But I hate to say this because I usually try not to when you lose. But I... I uh, that was at that second half where they, on the road against a very good team, they played their tails off, man. And um, it wasn't pretty, but they could have sucked their thumb and left after the second quarter like you see some teams do. They didn't do that. So I, I hate to use the word proud, but I am. That's head coach Urban Meyer. That was immediately after the game Sunday in Indianapolis. And welcome back. It's Jaguars Happy Hour. We'll hear more from Urban Meyer on the Urban Meyer Show in a little less than 10 minutes here on the Jaguars Radio Network. And veterans, choose VA for the benefits you've earned. Visit choose.va.gov. Was Urban referring to you that he was just talking on the radio? That's right. Yeah. Oh, he's talking right to you. Right after our uh, our conversation, he goes right into the press conference. There. Ah, okay. Yeah. That's so good. He had a you had a good conversation with him, and that's good that he gave that information to you first, as he should. It's very nice. Yeah, I like that. First word with the head like coach that. after the like game, that. and uh, you can only get that on the Jaguars Radio Network, yeah, which think, will begin at five o'clock. When uh, sometimes when when you I think when you're when you have a coach, and just from my experience. Sometimes coaches don't need to say anything after a game. Just right? lay out. What I mean by that is that sometimes it's better if he doesn't say anything and just let the players say it or feel it yeah, because they know. I mean, there's, there's games that they know. I mean, what are you going to tell your team? Hey, look, you know, we can't come out. We can't allow two scores right out of the gate offensive, you know, to the offensive opponent and then get a, a kick blocked or punt blocked for a touchdown. We, we, you can't win. I mean – well, everybody knows that. Hello, yeah. yeah, Captain Obvious, Captain Obvious, head coach. I mean, so I mean, there's sometimes you just you don't need to say anything, you just kind of let it simmer a little bit, and uh, and sometimes it's best. It's more important sometimes what you say on Monday as opposed to what you say on Sunday after a game to get your team understanding and believing and 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 getting better from that standpoint. It's the message that you carry to him on Monday and beyond. Were you a big locker room speech guy? No. No, I was never big into that. But, I mean, if I, I felt the need to say something, you know me, JP. Well, you ain't going to hold back. Yeah. I don't – yeah, I'm not very good at, at not saying sometimes my mouth leads the way. Uh, yeah, uh, yes. But, uh, <laughs> but, I mean, that's – Well, the, we know where you stand. That's the good you thing. Know? You know, and that, your teammates do. That's yeah. a good thing. And I think that's also what players want. Players want to know where they want to stand. 
And uh, so, uh, but a coach has to be a little bit more measured sometimes uh, because he has to have a little bit more thought and uh, a little bit more reflection sometimes into the game to be able to to react in a positive way. I don't, when I say in a positive way, I'm not saying that you always have to go and, and have sunshine and rainbows to your team after you don't play well. But the positive way is that, in other words, you're giving them something that they can digest to help them and everybody get better. That's what I mean in a positive light. Let's take a look at the Baptist Health Injury Report. Baptist Health changing health care for good. And, well, James Robinson, you know, was a question mark going into the game, of course. Had a game-time decision. He went for it, and we'll see what he's listed as this week. I, I would guess he's still be on the report at some point, just yeah. the way you know that went last week. Um, and then there's the guys that are on injured reserve, and Urban Meyer uh, said last week and that Brandon Linder might be available this week, moving ahead, which would be a nice step coming off a high ankle issue. Well, it was a high ankle and a knee, and so it's kind of twofold for him. Can he come back? Uh, you know, when when we talked about this, I think it was last week, we were saying, okay, with a high ankle, because the high ankle typically is longer than the recovery of a, of a knee that he had, that, you know, high ankle six to eight weeks, and six weeks would put him back about this week, and that would be obviously the earliest time frame. So could he be back? Sure, he could be back. Uh, the nice thing is is that you have the luxury of Tyler Shatley. Yeah, right. Which Tyler Shatley's a good football player. And so – you don't want to rush something that doesn't need to be rushed when you have a Tyler Shatley. So uh, you want to make sure that Linder's good to go and uh, that it's best for him or it's the le- least likely for him to have a setback by coming back too soon because you do have a good player that uh, is playing in his place. Let's take a look at the AFC South results from week number 10. Of course, we know the two teams that were in action against each other. The Jacksonville Jaguars fell to the Indianapolis Colts 23-17. The Tennessee Titans came away with a win. It was closer than they would have hoped earlier in the game. The Saints scored a touchdown late, but the Titans stopped a two-point conversion try with a minute 16 left in the fourth quarter. Controversial game now. Yeah, right? This phantom... Blow to the head, right? Mm -hmm. That got called against the Saints. And uh, I saw the replay of it. I think think that was a terrible call. I think much like like we had last week with Tony Carrente, hip-checking Cassius Marsh, this is another blemish, I think, on the NFL with a bad call. And I think something's got to be done about it. And I, here, here's the problem that I have, JP. Yes. The call by Tony Corrente was a bunch of BS. Terrible call. Terrible call. BS. And then the league comes out and backs it. Well, they were backing the taunting part of it. That's not, that's toward not the bench. taunting. Well, that's by never the letter of the law and the emphasis. No, it's not. No, it's not. It is, it is not taunting. When you stand 20, 30 yards away from somebody, JP, if I'm sitting here going, I'm taunted. Are you offended? I, I feel taunted. Now, if I did that right in front of your face, you nose to nose, it's, it's worse. Eight feet away. We're socially distanced, but it's close I mean, it's, enough. I, it's, see, I mean, to me, it's just you have to do what's right. Okay, when the official calls taunting, 
And that's never been called before. When a player's been that far away from a bench area, it's never been called. And that official does a little hip check and doesn't throw the flag while the guy's standing there looking at the sideline. Mm-hmm. He throws the flag after, after he initiates contact right. into him. Right. Okay? So then you turn around and then you have this call with the New Orleans game. Mm. I mean, look, you got to get it right in the NFL. you got to get it right. And so for those that are at Park Avenue – You've got to start making sure that you cannot do things like what you've done last week and this week to lose credibility with your officiating department. If they mess up, then just own it because nobody's perfect. And that's the problem that I have from the league office standpoint is that they should have admitted that that was a mistake by Tony Crenny and that it shouldn't have been called and that they should have instituted some type of one-week suspension for him initiating the contact Mm. on the player. Now, the official that calls this phantom call, first of all, I think every play should be reviewed. And then in that instance, that play should have been able to be challenged or reviewed to get it right. And I think the officials and the NFL need to address that. Okay, I'm I'm done with my rant. Step down from the soapbox. We're about a minute away from the Urban Meyer show. Quickly, what do you like to hear from the coach tonight? I want to hear about the offense. I want to hear about you know how to fix it. You know how how do you go about changing the way and the direction of the offense as far as getting your young quarterback back on track? How do you quiet the noise? A lot of football left to get that done, too. I mean, they got well, some that's, time. That's part of it. Yeah. You know, and I also want to, you know, commend him on the, the effort that the defense had. I mean, that's that was a really good job of keeping a football team in the game because it almost felt like it was going to be a boat race early in that game. 17-0. The Jaguars had the ball with a chance to win late. Coming up, the Urban Meyer Show on the Jaguars Radio Network. This is Jaguars Happy Hour on the Jaguars Digital Network. <laughs> 